0: People want to throw money at down payment. So then we show them the correlation between a down payment and a rate buy down, and usually their jaws drop. So revisiting some of those old habits when rates were higher pre-pandemic and just figuring out ways to back people into a scenario that's comfortable for them. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast, your high octane boost of full-on
1: reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success. With your host,
0: Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Get Real podcast. This is your host, Heather Marchant. Ron is not with us today, just has a crazy week in front of him. So, I have an awesome guest that we're going to be talking to today. And so, I thought, man, Ron, you can take your week to uh, catch up. <laughs> so, it works <laughs> out sometimes for all of us to have that time to catch up. So, with summer coming. I think that's that may be a little more common for Ron and I this summer to make this work with our family's plans. So we have a lot of good content we have coming up on the podcast. Super excited about so many things that we're going to be covering. With the market shifting and changing, (laughs) feels like shifting and changing every day. It makes it fun and exciting to be able to keep you guys up to speed and understanding what's happening. So I am joined today by a lender and a client. His name is Brendan Colsar. and he was referred to me by a lender that Ron and I worked with. I'd have to like pull out a calendar, but probably eight years ago or something like that, a long time ago, out of Southern California. Jason Gill, for those of you listening that have been around for a little while, referred me to Brendan, referred Brendan to me to buy properties. And he's been a great client and um bought several properties and then he was referring some friends so brendan first i'll welcome you to the show and then talk a little bit more about how we met so welcome to the show
0: well thank you so much for having me appreciate (laughs) it and yeah jason and i go way back so when i saw that he had been buying a few properties i asked him like what's the scoop you know because everyone's dream Um. is to be able to figure out how to find a property Who's going to manage it? You know, all the things that you guys wrap up into a bow. And I just love your business model. So it's been awesome, not only as a client, but then meeting your clients as well. So thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. The feeling's mutual. So
1: it was a fun relationship because you referred a couple of friends that were clients and i said well hey you were referred by brendan let's can brendan do the loan which i didn't think you could i thought you were just a california lender right Right. so so i always give the that courtesy especially you know the client that referred me referred business to me that i refer business back so i said why don't you handle loans brendan and i had i was blown away from that point and i kept it to myself for probably a couple months that you (laughs) blew me away but the organization was on point. I mean, detailed, specific. I knew what was happening on the transaction. Your team was reaching out for information that I knew you, you guys knew what you were doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, we, uh, thank you for that. I mean, that's music to my ears. I mean, it's been (laughs) a, a long work in progress. I've been in the business for about 20 years, and I've been working with the same team now for the better part of a decade. And you know, just creating like a great client experience. Uh, I actually have a saying on my wall in here that says protect the experience. It's one ah. of my uh, a saying my business coach actually kind of coined with me. And that's kind of what we focus on, you know, making sure that everyone understands where we're at. I always tell the team, if someone has to ask questions, then we're not doing our job. Right. So just being as transparent as we can, just so that everyone can enjoy the process versus you know stressing about it so
1: wow I didn't know that that definitely shows because you're and, and oh one other thing too is when your clients were referred to me they were the ones to remind me like no 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 <laughs> I if I forgot it was no 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 I want to work with Brendan right so your right. loyalty that they have to you is also something that caught me off guard that doesn't really happen and with mortgage lenders very often
0: (laughs) yeah i mean whenever i meet somebody new i always kind of reiterate to them like how we structure our business model like i i try and um, run really lean margins because the last thing i want to do is do a transaction for somebody to find out that they ran off and refied with somebody else you know once once you work with us i want to help you forever you know if that's possible or for the next three four or five purchases or whatever you need I want to be the person that they think of first so it's the return business and repeat business is huge for me and when i find out someone went somewhere else i always try and figure out why so it's uh, a big thing
1: great business advice too we have a lot of business owners that listen you know protecting the experience that's a really cool takeaway and making sure that i mean your whole team is obviously on board with that because i can tell and i feel that in communicating with your team so i think that's really powerful for any business in any industry
0: (laughs) so absolutely Absolutely. (laughs)
1: referrals are amazing Um, so fast forward maybe i gotta think maybe almost six months that i had kind of just had my eye watching and paying attention to your process because we've worked with a lot of lenders over the years and we aren't quick to jump ship and we're we are one of our core values is loyalty right so we're looking and seeing, okay, how can we help our clients where we have a couple of holes in you know, locations and different types of offerings and different types of mortgages. And so I didn't move very quickly, but eventually I came to you and said, hey, so I'm noticing that you can handle, number one, you understand investment loans, you're an investor yourself and that you your clients love you. And I've seen the organization And I said, are you open to taking on some business from us aside from your friends? (laughs) So that started um, a conversation that has really, I think, been mutually beneficial for several months now, sending a lot of clients your way and have had fantastic feedback from the clients we've sent your way. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, so happy to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, well, your
1: depth of knowledge is impressive. It helps that you understand it because you invest yourself. I know you are obviously uh, have, you're a mortgage broker or mortgage. Are you a broker? We're a bank. Bank. Okay. So
0: So I work for a mortgage bank based out of Colorado, licensed in most states. My team specifically is licensed in 18 states now. So, but we can cover the rest through like an internal program we have. So there's not a state I don't think we can do in one way or another, but we do broker certain products you know, that we'll kind of get into and probably touch on here because not every bank is going to offer everything. So there's non-QM products out there. There's jumbo investors, but we're approved with a big gamut of, and list of, of wholesalers that we work with regularly as well.
1: Okay. So let's talk about, let's jump into that a little bit. I'd like to understand though, for everyone, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into the industry, what you Uh, like about it. I don't know. I'd just be curious.
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) When I got into the industry, I was 22, and I was actually working with Jason Gill at 24 Hour Fitness. He was selling memberships. Yeah, Uh, we were just kids, you know, cutting our teeth in sales. And uh, love that. (laughs) And obviously, the market at that point was crazy. All these crazy products were available, and uh, so I think someone dangled a carrot, and that was really kind of Mm. what pulled me into the business. At that standpoint, I mean, I've always had a knack for. You know, talking to people and being able to confidently sell something that I understood. But I would say it was really in 2011, I moved to San Diego to take a job with a mortgage bank. Um, I was in the broker space prior to that, kid in my 20s, I mean, r- making money, doing the job, but maybe not really running a business. So in 2011, a dear friend of mine invited me to San Diego. He needed someone he could trust. His business was growing and it was all purchase business, doing a lot of investor flips and just the market really, you know, had changed at that point after the meltdown. So took a job at that point in San Diego. Really, you know, I could say that he was the first person that really taught me how to run a business and turn this uh-huh. into a relationship with agents and all the other types of lead sources and Kind of focusing that on like being your business, and the results of that were the opportunities, and then the clients that they referred you. Yeah. So since 2011, I I worked with him for a couple years, and then broke off into my own team. And we worked pretty much in parallel with in the same banks and whatnot. Oh. And you know that's how I developed and grew the team I have now. And. Since 2014, we've been recognized you know, in the top 1% nationally as one of the best lending teams in the country. Wow. So it's something I'm pretty proud of and just try and keep that process flowing. I mean, that's what it really really boils down to.
1: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I love that. So I think it's exciting that you offer conventional loan products, right? What our clients are mostly used to. You're 20% down. The typical, you have competitive interest rates that I've seen as well. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the rates rising and what you've done, or how, because I've had client feedback after they talk to you. They're a lot calmer about rates rising, they're, they're not in the panic. Right. Um, so, talk a little bit about how interest rates rising and how it's impacted your business.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Pre COVID, I was doing a lot of seller buy downs. Uh, the market mm-hmm. was just different, you know, and it was something that, that wasn't really prevalent. And obviously during COVID, my personal opinion is that was an asterisk. You know, I mean, those two years were just unprecedented as far as like market and everything and rates dipping. So as they've started to run away from us the beginning of this year and to today, we just started revisiting a lot of those older habits and looking at the buy-down options and, and just talking people through, you know, what that looks like from an investment standpoint, because as rates have risen you know, if people want to throw money at down payments, so then we show them the correlation between a down payment Mm -hmm. and a rate buy down. And usually their jaws drop because the cost versus the benefit is speaks for itself. It's usually threefold. So just kind of revisiting some of those old habits when rates were higher pre pandemic and, and just figuring out ways to, to back people into a scenario that's comfortable for them talking about tax benefit, just you know, a lot of those conversations you have to have for people to be able to make the commitment rather than just saying, oh man, I can do this at two and a half percent. You know, yeah. it's it's a no-brainer. So just so educating your clients.
1: When we have seller, a seller incentive, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll negotiate a seller incentive. And sometimes we'll actually in my own purchases, I bump up the price and add a seller incentive, right? 100%. If there's if I'm not scared about an appraisal and if it doesn't appraise I just drop the incentive. So it's yep. not no risk, right? In that regard. So we have that credit more and more often for the same reason you said, right? This isn't our first rodeo and we know that that's a great way, but is there a way is there a cap on how much you can buy it down?
0: So when you're talking about Fannie Mae loans, there are certain factors you have to can take into consideration. You have to look at your HPML test, which is a high price mortgage loan test that's ran by your compliance team. But if you earmark the credits specifically as being used for discount fees, yeah, that increases the cap substantially because you can remove uh, that credit from that HPML calculation.
1: That's so that's why one you of the little tricks for of the that. Trade.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, So it's it's all determined by how you word it, making sure that the bank understands that if you word it that way, you can remove it from that calculation. Obviously, there are caps on the amount of credit you can get from the seller, especially on an investment loan. We know it's 3%. So going beyond that, though, is what a lot of your guys' clients and other clients of mine are actually doing. They're taking the credit, buying down, and then even going deeper and paying on their own rather than putting down another 5%, they're paying you know, 1% or 2% in addition, and it's cheaper and the benefit's greater.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Really good. Because we talked about on two weeks ago, we talked about that eventually, and soon probably, we're going to see that the cap rate is going to be higher than the cash on cash return potentially with traditional conventional mortgage rates. But if you're being creative and finding a way, instead of putting out all that cash, that you can creative to, with someone like you that can give some guidance and some expertise to say why don't we do this instead and you can bring up your cash on cash return not worth paying all your cash out for a cash purchase right okay
0: 100 yeah, percent. Cool. i mean it's interesting i would say 10 times out of 10 when we've showed people putting down 25 versus 20 percent with an additional buy down that's the way they've gone. And for the exact reason you're talking about is keeping that capital to be able to potentially look in an additional property instead of putting extra into in one specific property.
1: So. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Very good. Um, and then I know we've talked recently about some other loan products that you have access to if clients maybe have other needs or maybe can't qualify as easily for whatever reason. And as the market shifts, you know, potentially they could make it harder to qualify for a conventional mortgage. So what yep. are some other options clients have?
0: So a big one recently, and I know a lot of our non-QM investors are pushing specials to try and increase their portfolios of this product mm-hmm. is, uh, it's called a DSCR or a debt service coverage ratio. So effectively we don't even look at income. We we just structure it based off of a 0.85 income factor when you take the payment and divide it into the rents. And if it's mm-hmm. if it's below 0.85, you can qualify. Obviously, there are LTV and credit score adjustments. So, you know, the rates are going to move based on those, but you can do that with 20% down. And again, you can buy down the rate. There's also an interest-only option that turns it into a 40-year loan, the first 10 years. Are interest only and then at year ten it turns into a thirty year fully amortized loan which obviously is wow. gonna increase the payment but you know the goal by then is to either have you know flipped that property into a different loan or just be ready for that and maybe the rents are have increased enough over that ten year period where that fully amortized payment you know would still cash flow or what a lot of people might do in that situation is make an annual payment and recast the loan and actually put money towards the principal even though your monthly payment is Um, only is only interest only so lots of different ways to combat that adjustment timeline but it gives you flexibility
1: what are the disadvantages of doing something like those types of loans instead of conventional because it sounds really dreamy
0: yeah no i mean i (laughs) (laughs) the interest rates are a little bit higher that's been the primary pushback that people have had.
1: How much higher?
0: Uh, just to give you an example, I ran some pricing for a client with 40% down, their Fannie Mae rate would have been five and an eighth, and this product put them at six and an eighth. Okay. So it's 1%, but depending on the loan amount, I mean, you, your interest is still tax deductible. So you know it's not going to be a huge difference. I think on a hundred grand, it was like 70 bucks a month on that rate difference, but it's for folks that would otherwise wouldn't qualify anyway.
1: True. So Good point.
0: it's just you know finding a way.
1: Is there a prepayment penalty on uh, a?
0: Yeah, is so where we're gonna go next. There is a three-year yeah. prepayment penalty. It's gonna vary per investor, but a standard would be six months of interest is what you're looking at. Okay. And you can actually buy down the prepay if I remember correctly. Interesting. I think you pay like an eighth, no, three eighths to remove a year. I'd have to go back and double verify okay. for you. I don't want to misquote. But, but no, there, but you
1: could pay it's nominal. It off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can you can reduce it. Um, so
1: for clients that have never... Because like, most of our clients are dealing with conventional loans. Right. They may not be familiar. So talk to us. What is the prepayment penalty
0: for? What does it look like? So it's 6 months of interest. This is kind of the standard would be what you would pay if you were to pay off the loan via sale or refinancing within that window. Most of these loans are portfolio loans for big hedge funds and, and mm-hmm. private type banks. They're called non-QM lenders, which is a non-qualified mortgage. All your Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans are, are QM loans or qualified mortgages. The big thing for them is just retention. Yeah. So they don't want to see a bunch of their a bunch of their loans, you know, disappear off the books yeah. within a year because you know they've paid out everyone that's worked on it, they've paid us for providing the loan. They've probably paid some sort of service release premium to whoever's servicing the loan for them. So there's just cost associated. And Mm so in order to remove it, that's why they want you to pay to remove it or or reduce it. So it's it's just a hedge for them to kind of protect themselves.
1: Yeah. Because that was when I first started working more in the commercial loan space, helping clients buy larger properties. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I mean, that was years ago, but you have to, yeah. I'm like, you have to pay if you refinance or sell your property, like what? So that was something new to me. So I wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page.
0: (laughs) I remember getting into the business. People were buying loans that were fixed for two years, amortized over 30 and they would come with three-year prepays. I mean, it was just, so, you'd have to wait a whole year of your adjustable period before you could refi. I mean, it was
1: yeah. wow. Oh, yeah. There was, some,
0: there was some crazy stuff going on back yeah. in the early 2000s, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm so glad. I mean, today it's just you qualify or you look at something like we're talking about now and makes it a lot easier and more ethical, for sure. I love I, yeah. I mean, The business is great now, in my opinion.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So, as far as those non QM loans, do mm-hmm. you have to pay points upfront as well?
0: we structure them with points. And reason being is that if you don't, then it's going to affect the interest rate. So we're structuring them with one and a half points, depending on... Yeah, there really is no... I mean, depending on the investor, I would say, but I think we have one investor, we can pay one point, but their rates are already a half point higher to start with. So it. it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And I mean, so I look at it like, hey, if we're getting some money from the seller... And we use that to cover the cost for us. Plus, we have some money left to be able to buy the rate down a little bit. We can still make a pretty attractive proposal with these products.
1: Yeah. And that's awesome. And I like that you have different options at your disposal, right? So, if someone, if we send someone your way or someone reaches out to you, Mm -hmm. then you can say, hey, well, if you don't fit into this box, then how about this box? Or I think that's really helpful to have those options. And and that you can work in multiple states. So, talk to us. I'm going to put you on the spot and talk to us a little bit about what you think is going to happen with rates. Because I know you shared with me a little bit about (laughs) your thoughts. And it's going to be just your thoughts. I'm not holding you to it. I mean, I
0: I think the first five months of the year, I mean, we were in Mm -hmm. such a a free fall from the performance of mortgage backed securities that most investors and banks were just kind of ducking for cover, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. what do we do? How far is this going to go? And If I were to give you my thoughts just based on me looking at the performance of mortgage-backed securities, we've been pretty range-bound since April 18th now, which means Mm -hmm. that that's when the free fall stopped as far as the performance of mortgage-backed securities. So now we've got kind of like a head and shoulders pattern going now, and we've got a range. So this is where I feel like investors get comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to see rates kind of level off a little and you know, we might see some breadcrumbs as far as them actually improving. I'm not going to say drastically. I mean, we're still going to be at a start rate in the sixes on your Fannie Mae, you know, uh, investment properties and in the fives on your primary residences. But it is just nice to take a deep breath and let them kind of figure things out because up until that point, I mean, everyone was just crawling under their desks every day because they didn't know what to do about rates. And, uh, far to hedge for that day. I mean, it was pretty unprecedented. So I think long-term, we're going to see them probably continue to slowly increase. I just don't think we're going to see the crazy movement that we saw the first part of this year. Hmm, that's and really that's a conversation. conversation I have with people too, who are like, oh, I'm going to wait for the big R word to kick in, to see you know where rates go. But my point to them has been, yeah, if we get an improvement because we go into a recession, what's the starting point? Yeah. You know, today, if we're at six and we went into a recession, maybe we dip back down to 5%, you know, four, four and a half, you know, God willing, but what if we're at seven and a half when that point finally starts? And now we're coming yeah. back down to six. Yeah. So get in and then figure it out and see if you can do better down the road, come up with a game plan to potentially get a credit to buy down the rate. I mean, to, to make it work. From a cash flow perspective, now, I don't think there's really a lot of upside in in waiting, in my opinion. I mean, the inventory levels are still historically low. So there's, you still see feverish activity around properties that are priced appropriately and Mm -hmm. presented well by you guys, uh, you know, with the cash flow perspective. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, it feels like every day is a new day with uh, right. figuring out what's happening uh, we reach out to you and your team gosh at least once a week right. and say what's the, what's the latest you know right. what's happening and because it it's good to be updated and aware and educated but at the same time the properties are cash flowing now so even if the market dips and we have reduction in you know the amount of equity you have in your properties you still have cash flowing asset right so totally we've talked about that on here a lot that if you stick to your principles and you don't go outside of your principles to stay in the game <laughs> right now yep. which is really tempting to do sometimes i work with the acquisitions team a lot in vetting properties and man to say no to properties right now when we have such a strong demand and clients That's feeling like, yeah it's hard because you're yeah, like, doesn't stick to our principles, but oh, like, <laughs> so it's sticking to your principles that it cash flows, that you're buying smart, that you're not speculating on rents. So we're going to be talking about that probably next week, looking at how a lot of hedge funds and stuff have been buying, speculating on rent increases. And th- yeah, that's just not going to work, right? So, buying right. smart and having someone like you, Brendan, that can help walk them through different options so that they feel comfortable buying, you know, with the interest rates they have. So I think that's awesome. Um, how do people get a hold of you if they are wanting to reach out? What's the um, best way?
0: You know what? My email address or my cell phone number. I mean, I'm happy to drop yeah. a phone number if that's sure. appropriate. Yeah, uh, go ahead. So my cell phone's 916-541-1808. I've got a great team. So once you either call or text me, I'm going to either pass you off to engage them or, you know, we'll have a conversation and then uh, get the ball rolling on figuring out a game plan.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure sending more business your way as well. But we have some people that listen in that are buying elsewhere or yeah, not all just clients. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for your time. And Make sure if you have any suggestions for future shows, please reach out at invest at rpcinvest.com. And we would love to have your perspective and ideas. I just received a couple this last week that I'm already working on lining out some episodes for. So thank you for that. Keep those coming and please leave us a review on the podcast. A written review actually allows more people to be able to see our podcast when they are on Apple or whatever device they're looking at, but it makes it more visible for others. The more written reviews you have specifically versus just the star ratings. So please do that. And a lot of takeaways from our call today with Brendan, super excited about the year that's left, we have six months left. We are halfway through 2022. So- crazy, Yes. <laughs> Get out there and make something happen so you're not finding yourself in December like so many people I talk to saying, I wish I would have. So make something happen this week. You guys, have a great week. This has been the Get
0: Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.